Last Sunday, Pastor Jonathan started a brand new series on Sing Noel, and we are walking through five of our favorite Christmas carols and looking into the scripture where the writers of those carols got their inspiration. And last week, he started with the first Noel and very appropriately choir that you let us in to Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Perhaps one of our favorite uh, Christmas carols. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys go Christmas caroling. Uh, our family makes it a family tradition as we uh, Christmas carol not only in our community, in our neighborhood. Every Christmas Eve, our family, the Barrick family, we always go to some nursing homes and we sing uh, Christmas carols for the residents there. Hark the Herald Angels is always one of those that, that we sing. We uh, we see it in the movies. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. You can hear Hark the Herald Angels sing there. Disney's The Christmas Carol uh, has Hark the Herald Angels sing. I've already heard Hark the Herald Angels sing about five times on Hallmark movies. The same arrangement, the same characters, the same plot, and the same ending, right? But uh, Hark the Herald Angels, and, and then who can, who can forget the classic uh, 1965 Charlie Brown Christmas? Did y'all watch that the other night when it came on? Hark the Herald Angels as Charlie and the gang sang it as none other could. Hark the Herald Angels Sing was written by Charles Wesley. You may, you may have done some study about Charles Wesley, John Wesley. They're, they're considered to be the, uh, the founders, the, the ones who started the Methodist movement. And Charles Wesley is responsible for writing over 6,500 hymns. Uh, he is only second to Fanny Crosby, who wrote about 8,000 hymns. And it's said that he averaged about 10 poetic lines uh, a day in his, in his lifetime, 6,500 plus hymns. So what I decided to do today is just put together a medley of all 6,500 hymns. And I'm just, I'm just kidding. It kind of reminds me of a joke. I remember, I remember Bill Gaither one time, uh, I was at a conference he was speaking at, and he was telling the story about when he was in college and, and he was working to put his way through college. He, was, he sold Bibles. And if, you, and if you follow Bill Gaither much at all, he, when he talks, he can have a little, little uh, uh, stutter. And he said, I found the perfect way to sell Bibles. I would knock on a door, and they would come to the door, and I would say, Ma'am, I'm selling Bibles. Would you like to buy one, or do you want me to read it to you? And so he was quite lucrative in that business, nonetheless. But Charles Wesley, 6,500 hymns in 1995, just a few years before our very own Doug Oldham was inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame, Charles Wesley because of his contribution to the church and to music was inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. This hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, uh, was originally written in 1739, but Wesley did not title the hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. In fact, he titled it, Hark How the Welkin Rings. What in the world is a welkin? Well, that was an old English term that, used, that was used to describe the expanse of heaven. Hark how all of the expanse 
of heaven rings. Uh, it was George Whitfield, a friend of Charles Wesley, who actually changed the words to hark how the, the herald angel sings. Now, the Wesleys, they didn't, they didn't uh, take it too well when people would change their, their songs. If we have any songwriters in here, I work with a lot of songwriters over at the university, and uh, most of them get really, really attached to those songs, right? Those of you song, songwriters in here. And when someone starts to mess with your song, uh, it's like your baby, and you don't. Well, the Wesleys were, were, were kind of the same way. And one of the main reasons why Charles Wesley felt this way is that uh, Charles Wesley's main reason for writing songs was to teach theology and doctrine to the people of the church. And so when someone would go messing with their lyrics, then it was messing with their theology. In the preface of the 1780 edition of Hymns and Sacred Poems, this is what Charles Wesley had them put in the preface of the, of the hymn book. Many gentlemen have done my brother and me the honor to reprint many of our hymns. They are welcome to do so provided they print them just as they are. But I desire that they would not attempt to mend them for they really are not able. Therefore, I must beg of them to let them stand just as they are, or add the true meaning of the hymn in the margin, that we may no longer be accountable for the nonsense of other men." He was pretty serious about that. It was not uncommon, however, to write, write a lyric uh, with an idea of what you wanted the song to go to. and and it end up being put to a different tune, such as the case uh, with this song. And it's, a lot of times you can sing one lyric to the tune of another. In fact, I'll never forget, we were actually at the old church about 12, 13 years ago. It's in the Christmas season. Charles is leading worship that morning, and he wanted to sing Angels from the Realms of Glory. And so he was planning on Angels from the Realms of Glory. The guy is preparing the lyrics, Angels from the Realms of Glory. But somehow, Angels We Have Heard on High got put in the books of all of the orchestra members. So the intro begins and Charles starts singing. Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. And I thought, this is pretty good. It works until we get to the chorus. Come and worship. And Charles just could not contain himself, and he just began to, to laugh and to laugh and to laugh, and we finally just had to stop. Charles Wesley originally wanted the tune, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, to another song that he had written, and it goes like this. Hark the herald, that is how it goes, right? Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Christ the Lord is risen today. And the reason why he wanted it to be with that tune, because it so went hand in glove with the, the truth of the birth of Christ, the work of Christ, and his resurrection. But uh, 
years later, it was put to the tune that Mendelssohn had written actually for a celebration of the Gutenberg press. And so we have Hark the Herald Angels Sing the way we have it today. A congregation, it's been said that a congregation learns its theology by the songs that they sing. And I believe there's a lot of truth in that. And Charles Wesley did as well. This, this great Christmas carol is rich with doctrine. It's rich with theology. But I have to ask, did the angels really sing? After all, the Bible says nothing about the angels singing. But I think it's safe to, to assume that they probably did sing. After all, all musicians are angels. And... Um, but I, I think they did. Here's what we read in Luke chapter 2. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. So what do we know about angels? I brought with me this morning a, a couple of books. One is written by Dr. Harold Wilmington. The Doctrine of Angels. So anything that I say this morning that you don't believe in, it's Dr. Wilmington's fault. Also, I have a hymn book, an old, old hymn book that belonged to Dr. Wilmington. If you knew anything about Dr. Wilmington, he could quote probably all 6,500 of Charles Wesley's hymns. He was a connoisseur of, of hymns and a connoisseur of, of uh, the doctrine and, and teaching of the church. And so uh, Dr. Wilmington is helping me out this morning. Let's look first of all at the messengers. What does the Bible teach about angels? Angels are mentioned 273 times in the scriptures, 108 times in the Old Testament, and 165 times in the New Testament. This is what we know about angels. First of all, angels are created beings. Colossians chapter 1 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him, including the angels. The angels are not like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that ha existed in eternity past. No, the angels were created. So when were they created? Well, there's a lot of debate about that, but most believe that just before God created the earth, He created the angels. This is what we read in Job 38. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations? And who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars, referring to the angels, sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? So probably just before he created the earth, he created the angel. The number of angels, this is interesting, the number of angels were forever fixed at the time of creation. All the angels that existed and will ever exist were created at that moment. Well, how do we know this? Well, first of all, the Scripture teaches us that they do not procreate. If you remember in Matthew chapter 22, the Sadducees were pressing into Jesus and trying to trap Him, and especially on the subject of the, the resurrection of the dead. And He said, uh, imagine that a, man, a woman is married seven times, Lord, and, 
And when she gets to heaven, whose wife is, is, is she going to be? And you remember what Jesus said. In heaven, we neither marry nor are we given in marriage. And he goes on to say that just as the angels are, we will be. So the angels do not procreate, nor do the angels die. So all the angels that were created, all the angels that existed were created at that moment. We also see where angels are spirit beings. Psalm 104 says, he makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. They are invisible. However, on occasions, angels can manifest themselves in physical human form to carry out the purpose and the plan of God. I'm sure if I were to go around the room and say, uh, have any of you had a moment in your life when you really believe that you encountered an angel? I believe there, there are some stories right here in this room where you know that an angel interceded on your behalf, and from time to time they will do that. After all, we know what Hebrews 13, 2 tells us, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. So angels are created beings. Angels are spirit beings. Angels are innumerable. Revelation 5.11, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Now what is that word myriad? In the Greek numerical system, the highest number was 10,000. That's, that's as high as you could count. So some, some translations will say 10,000s upon 10,000s and thousands and thousands. Basically, you can't count them. They are uncountable. There's hundreds of millions of angels, but God knows every one of them. Angels also have personalities. It's even believed by some that there are no two angels alike. I don't know. This we do know. Angels, to have a personality you have to have intellect, you have to have emotion, you have to have a will. And angels possess all three. Angels, we see this in Ezekiel 28, angels can discern good and evil. They also have a choice between good and evil. After all, that's why, that's how Lucifer, who was once an angel, was cast out of heaven with all of his demons. They have a will. They can make a choice. And they also have emotion. There's rejoicing in heaven. The angels sang when they told the shepherd. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to all men. We also know that there are ranks of angels. There are archangels, two archangels that particularly are mentioned in Scripture. Michael is the archangel. We read four times where he is called by name. And the other archangel that we read of and is especially prominent here in the story of Christmas, and that is the archangel Gabriel. There are cherubim and seraphim, and Revelation talks about living creatures that forever and ever and ever worship the Lord, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
And then there are guardian angels. Now, do we all have an individual guardian angel? I don't know. Maybe, perhaps. If we do, then we also know that there must be different pay scales of angels because some of you require a little bit more work than some of the other. But there are, there are two scriptures that, that really give us a hint that perhaps there are guardian angels. Matthew 18.10, beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. Interesting. The children, the little children have angels looking down. Hebrews 1.14, are not all angels ministering spirits? sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Perhaps we do each have an individual guardian angels. We also learn that angels are very powerful. They're called mighty ones who do His Word in Psalm 103. They're greater in might and power than humans are, 2 Peter 2.11. Angels use their power to battle against Satan's demonic forces. Of course, we know the power of the angel on Resurrection Sunday morning when a stone that absolutely could not be budged was all of a sudden rolled away. Most scholars believe that that angel was Gabriel himself. So they are very, very powerful. The book of Revelation speaks time and time again about the power of angels. Angels are also functional beings. They worship God, Revelation 4.8. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. Day and night they never cease, praising God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They were created to worship the Almighty. You and I were created to worship the Almighty. The Scripture tells us that angels also observe God's people down here on the earth. Every time Pastor Jonathan and I uh, have the, the, the privilege of, of doing a funeral of one of the saints here in our church, at some point in Pastor Jonathan's message, he's going to extend an invitation for people to accept Christ as their Savior. And for those who do, he will always quote this scripture here in Luke chapter 15. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. They are looking down. They are observing what is going on. Angels also protect Psalm 34, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and deliver him. I have heard stories from several of you who have been in moments where you were just fearful, maybe even for your life or in a circumstance where you wondered how you were going to get out of, and, and you believe that God at the right time sent an angel to come by and to protect you. Angels of God protect. They also comfort. 
You remember in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah had just had that incredible showdown with the prophets of Baal at, at, at Mount Carmel, perhaps one of my favorite ah, gotcha stories in all of Scripture where, where he, he tells them, you, you build an altar and you, you call your gods to, uh, to come and burn up this sacrifice. And he goes to the point of even, even uh, taunting them. And then, of course, you know the story where Elisha puts the offering on there on the altar and God comes and consumes it. But after that event, Elisha finds himself worn out, exhausted, and even asking God, will you just take my life? I would rather be dead than to have to go. Jezebel was pressing in real hard. She wanted his head. And so he sits down neath a broom tree and God sends an angel to come and to comfort Elijah. And the angel says, here, take, eat, and drink. Angels will comfort us. Angels also inform and instruct. And this is where we really see it in the story of the birth of Christ, what we call the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 1, you may remember that it was an angel that appeared to Zechariah uh, prophesying the birth of a child. Here's what, here's what he says. An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you are to call him John. Verse 19, I am Gabriel, the angel said. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. We all know when the angel appeared to Mary and said, you have been chosen. You are highly favored. And this is what the scripture says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Gabriel's getting a pretty good workout right about now. It was Gabriel who also went to Joseph and assured him that Mary was, was pure. She was being truthful in this story. Matthew 1 20, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It was an angel that also told Joseph of Herod's evil plot. It was an angel that informed Joseph that Herod was dead and everything was okay. It was an angel that appeared to the shepherds. Pastor Jonathan talked about this last week, delivering the news of fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. They inform. Angels are wonderful. They are powerful. They're stronger than mankind. They are, Scripture says, they're smarter than mankind. They are superior to mankind. But they are not superior, nor are they even equal to God. They're not omnipresent. They can't be everywhere at one time. 
They're, they're not omnipotent. They're not all-powerful, even though they have power. They are not omniscient. They don't know everything. In Matthew, when Matthew was talking about end times, he says, even the angels in heaven do not know the time of, of Christ's return. So they, they are not omniscient. They don't know everything. I really don't believe that it was Charles Wesley's intent when he wrote this song for you to know everything that you need to know about angels. I just thought that it would be helpful if we just took a little crash course in who are angels, what are angels, what do they do, what does the Bible have to say about angels. I firmly believe that Charles Wesley wanted you to get the rest of the lyric. And that is the truth, not about angels, but the truth about the person of Jesus. So the message, Christ the Savior is born. Mild he lays his glory by. Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes this, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Charles Wesley penned that thought in this great hymn as well. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite, his grace. Emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, wouldst die for me? Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, Colossians 2, 9, 4, in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. What, a, what an incredible thought. What's, what an incredible truth to, to try to wrap your, hand, your head around that, that God in all of his deity could make himself a man and come to this earth in human form. Yes, God became man. He took on human flesh, invading his sin-broken world with his wisdom, with his power, with his glory, and yes, with all of his grace. Pleased as man with men to dwell. I love this scripture in John 1:14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Paul says it this way, for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. I echo the words of scripture that says, God, who am I that you are even mindful of me? Yet you are. Why would you even bother, Lord? The answer it's love. He loves you. He loves you. He loves me. Enough that it pleased him to live here among us, to die for us, and even to dwell within us through his spirit. Wesley writes another great truth when he says, love divine 
all loves excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down, fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation, enter every trembling heart. Jesus loved us enough that he left his home in glory to come to this earth so that he could dwell among us and die a criminal's death on the third day rise again and then give us his Holy Spirit to do this life with us. God and sinners reconciled. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Folks, there was a, a chasm between God and us that could only be bridged by the person of Jesus. And God reconciled himself to, to the world by sending his very own son, light and life to all he brings. In him was life, and the light was the light of man, Jesus, the light of the world. He was born that man no more may die. The writer of Hebrews says, but we see him, that's Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Charles Wesley must have had a lot on his mind when he wrote the great hymn, O Four Thousand Tongues to Sing, because he felt like he had a thousand tongues. He wrote 19 verses. Thank God we don't have that in our hymn book, right? 19 verses of oh for a thousand tongues, but listen to this one. He breaks the power of canceled sin and he sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean and his blood availed for me. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. He was born to give us second birth. John 3, 3. Remember, Jesus was having a conversation with Nicodemus, and this is what Jesus said. I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace that the prophet Isaiah wrote about. He will be wonderful counselor. Mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. No wonder the man Jesus could say to his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And those of us who are in Christ know the daily presence of his peace. I don't think that 
that idea of Prince of Peace and being that peace for you and I would be necessarily eliminating all war and conflict and, and try. One day that is going to happen. He will settle the score one day. But I believe he is referring to the peace that he gives us every single day as we navigate through this life that just cannot be explained. It's interesting that the angels, when they would appear to people, appear to people, usually the first thing they would say is what? Fear not. Now, I don't know if because they saw everybody turn white because they were fearful. Who is this? What is this? You know, fear not. Hey, fear is something that will grip us. And most of the time, in an effort to deal with fear and uncertainty, we begin to, to clutch things. We begin to cherish things that are just temporal. And those things can, can be in many, many different forms. It may be possessions. It may be relationships. But deep down inside, there is a fear that we have. The angel said, fear not. Those peanut characters I referred to just a moment ago. There's a character in there you're very familiar with, Linus. What is, what is one thing about Linus that, that identifies him above everything? He's got that blue blanket, that security blanket, and he is just not going to let it go for anything. Do you know what? In all of the episodes of the Peanuts, Charlie Brown, Lioness lets go of the blanket one time. Watch this. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Now, just like Linus, when he let go of the blanket and he finished the, the story, he reached down and picked up the blanket. That is, that is so like us, right? I encourage you today to drop the blanket, 
let your fears go. The birth of Jesus separates us from our fears. The birth of Jesus allows us to drop the false security that we've been grasping so tightly and learn to trust and cling to Him instead. Fear not. Drop the blanket. This same Jesus that was born in a manger, today the Scripture tells us is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and for me. Hebrews 1 says, long ago God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days He's spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son He created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. When He had cleansed us from our sins, He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic Father in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave Him is greater than their names. He's seated beside the Father, making intercession for you and for me. When we lift our voices in praise unto the Lord, hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and light. Do you know why God accepts our worship? It's because He's accepting it through the approval of His Son, Jesus. And the word, we could never please the Lord. We could never bridge the gap between God and mankind. And if you think you can, then you're fooling yourself. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. So if you haven't placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. We're going to have members of our team that are right down here. Jim's going to come, and we're going to sing a song in just a moment. But I want to give you an opportunity to place your faith and your trust, not in angels. Do you believe in angels? Well, I hope you do. But that doesn't matter near as much as do you believe in Jesus? Father, we come to you today thanking you for the truth of your word that oftentimes is expressed through wonderfully written songs like Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We're grateful, Lord, that you laid your glory by and it pleased you to come to this earth and to dwell with mankind so that sinners no more have to die. So I pray for the man, the woman, the boy, the girl today that has never really settled that in their heart. May today be the day that they make you Lord and Savior of their life. Stand together as we sing. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace 
to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this. God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope to let the world know God loves. Thank you.